This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Do you ever think about your childhood stories, whether they're books that your parents read, maybe even Bible stories from vacation Bible school or even Sunday school? But I think fondly back about the books that we used to read a lot as a family and even the books that I've read with my own children. So I have the pleasure today of having Jay Ayedo join me on my podcast. He's an international entrepreneur, teacher of practical philosophy, and he's also a children's book author. He was born and raised in Southern California, and he felt the weight of the different belief systems his parents, teachers, and religious leaders followed. So as a writer and a community leader, he encouraged young readers to look beyond the antiquated programs of the stories repeated for centuries. His mission is to show others how the truth of God lies within us, and he encourages young readers to take responsibility for their actions and never be fearful of speaking up for themselves. Having a conscious effort is the key to empowering children all over the world to create their own story from the beginning. Now, I only read a piece of his bio because I'd like to introduce Jay Aedo and ask him how you got started in wanting to be a children's book writer and especially about your, your thoughts and your philosophy about conscious parenting. His website is ConsciousBibleStories.com. I'd like to encourage everyone to check that out. But I, I, one of the things that I love about being a host of a podcast is really getting to meet people and hear their stories. So if you wouldn't mind, share what kind of led you to write your first book. Thanks for having me, Dr. Sarah. I'm super happy to be here and very grateful for your lovely introduction. Uh, so what led me to write stories is the uh, children's book stories is, you know, I just kind of fell into it in, in a sense because I just, I've just been writing for years. You know, I just write um, and I write my ideas and I write, you know, my conclusions and experiences. Um, and at some point, a couple of years ago, I started writing something that really meant something to me, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to break things up into chapters or anything. Um, and at some point, these these stories occurred to me. You know, it's uh, these Bible stories that I write with a with kind of a twist. Um, and I wrote them all out, and I didn't even know what it was. I just thought it was something for myself, like just like my myself, just expressing myself. And I and at some point, I just thought these would make great children's books because they're short stories. They're the stories that I was told when I was a kid. Um, but with a twist, 
Uh, and so there you go. Conscious Bible Stories was born. And so what led you to really think, you know, when we talk about the philosophy and what children actually learn from books, what led you to kind of put that twist on there? Yeah, so it was a lot of uh, the misunderstandings within myself that led to uh, me going on a journey of discovery and healing and uh at the you know in the midst of learning to heal myself i found that a lot of the pain that i was going through stemmed from uh the misunderstanding that came from the stories that my parents told me you know not just the bible stories but you know the stories of where we come from and uh, where our, who our government is and what our religion is and you know all these stories that that kind of make us make up who we are uh, you know as far as our character and and so these stories were just unsettling to me you know for instance the the Cain and Abel story is a quite unsettling story where you know Cain is so angry and so jealous that he kills his brother and that's the whole story. You know, it's a very short story, but because it's so short and right to the point, it impregnates us. You know, it, it, it plants a seed in us as to where we come from. And then so we become the descendants of this man who couldn't control his temper. And when confronted by God, he denied it and, and he ran away, you know, because he couldn't face himself. He couldn't face his family. And so he runs off and then it, and then he goes on to build cities and then so the, it leads the reader to believe very subtly that we are the descendants of this man who couldn't control himself and killed his brother. And so I changed that, that story for myself because I thought it was helpful just to ask myself, like, how, how would I want this story to be? You know, if, if this is so unsettling, which one settles well? And so that's when it occurred to me, well, it would be when, when Cain goes to kill Abel, because he's so angry and jealous, Abel sees the attack coming because he's disciplined and composed within himself. And so he moves out of the way and he grabs Cain from behind and he subdues him and he puts him in his place. And when Cain regains consciousness, he, he's dazed and confused and Abel tells him what happened. You tried to kill me and I stopped you. Why did you do that? And so Cain is confronted by the truth. And so he has no choice but to respond with the truth. You know, he says, God favored your gift over mine. And I became so angry and jealous that all I could think about was killing you. And so Abel says then, well, what makes you think that God favored my gift over yours? And so this is this is the, where the twist really takes place, because this was the big misunderstanding. With that was his opinion of himself. He was the one who knew what he had done. He didn't give his best to God. When they were supposed to offer the best of what they had, he didn't do that. He saved the best for himself and his family. And then Abel shows him something. He says, well, you already gave your best to God because that's what God is. It's yourself and your family. It's everything around you. And so he was doing it all along. It was just a misunderstanding within himself. He was, he was giving his best to God the entire time. He just didn't know who God was. So his question was, what, why would I give my best to somebody I didn't know? 
And so that was, that was a moment. And when Cain realizes what he did, he, he begs for his brother's forgiveness. But Abel had already forgiven him, which is why he, he choked him unconscious instead of choking the life out of him. And so Cain and Abel, they figure out, they, they talk things out. And they clear up all the misunderstandings within themselves. And then they go on and build cities. So and then we become the descendants of these brothers who worked out the misunderstandings within themselves. They did the difficult thing. You know, the nobility isn't, you know, we're led to believe that Abel is the most noble. But then it's a weakness. Being noble is a weakness because he just got killed. You know, he just took it. But for me, nobility is someone who stands up and fights for what they believe in and puts things in their place and does the thing that isn't easy, right? But because he is disciplined and composed and knows who God is and he knows who he is and he knows what he's made of, he's able to, you know, slow time down. And that's how he gets the best of Cain because Cain is erratic. He's out of control. Of course, Abel is, is noble and is able to dodge his wild swings. So this is kind of like the imagination of where I take things in my head, you know? Yes. So what I'm hearing you say is that the way that you're twisting it is also teaching a lesson about standing up for yourself, for example, like you said, and also learning to work together, you know, and instead of when I say instead of fighting, I guess I really wanted, this is, this is very interesting. So basically what you're saying is you're the twist and the idea that you want to get across for children and families is that basically it is, it's good to work it out. So basically the two brothers have, have confronted each other not just one to one, you know, and the other just laying down his life because it's the right thing to do. But basically what you're teaching is that it, there's a, a, a better way to tell this story. And that is working together, standing up for yourself, forgiving, and also then going on as a, as a, you know, as two brothers, as a family to do good things. Is that sound, uh, do you think I've got a good summary yeah, a little you're, bit? <laughs> you're right on point. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that it's a better story. I okay. would say that okay. it's, it, I would say that it, it's a mirroring story. Like just, uh, you know, because I wouldn't have been able to come up with it unless I saw the part that I didn't like. Okay. And, you know, these are lessons we learn within ourselves. Like oftentimes, we can learn the best things about ourselves when we acknowledge the things we don't like about ourselves. And that's the, that's the way we can reflect the light on the darkness, like where we can make things out and find out what it is that we do want instead of focusing on what we don't want. And that's fascinating to me. I mean, I, I get goosebumps when you say that because really reading stories, I, I tell parents all this, all the time. I mean, it's great to let the kids rummage through the books, etc. There's a lot of, um, developmental benefits from things like that. And I tell parents too, you don't always have to read the words. Sometimes you can 
create the stories even by looking at the pictures, talk about the pictures, let kids interact while you're reading so that it's more than just words on a page to and and I mean we want to actually teach our children to be good listeners, but also I like the idea of reading a book is like an activity. It's like something that you can share with each other as a parent to a child or caregiver to a child and really talk about the content if they're old enough or talk about the different colors that you see. I mean, it can vary based on the age of the child, but it's, like I said, it's more than just reading the pages. And I think too, putting the twist on it, it also helps. Well, like, so there's this story, but what if we put a twist and it really came out this way? I know, I mean, we're, I know for me, whenever I think of watch a movie that somehow either I don't like the ending or because I'm always like a happy ending kind of girl and, or if it leaves you hanging, I have to sit there and kind of think, okay, how would I rewrite that ending to that story? Or what, what thoughts do I have about what happened to the characters? And so I, I think I'm understanding that's, a, that's kind of like what you did. And so you're still acknowledging that that was history and that was the story. You've just put a twist on it to, to change it um, to something that, like you said, is a story that you'd rather, you'd rather hear. And I think that that's a great way for parents to teach. You know, I always say caregivers and parents, you're like their first teacher, their counselor. And those things are very important, especially when when you're reading. When you talk about consciousness and parenting, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, when I talk about consciousness, I'm referring to becoming conscious of something that you weren't conscious of before. So I like to put the example of like watching a movie, like a movie that we watched or even a book that we read several times or a movie that we watch many times. And maybe like the third time or the fourth time or something, we notice something that we didn't notice before. And maybe every time we watch it, we notice something different or something new. And, and so as we, evolved, you know, these movies set a good example of us because after all, we're just telling stories. And then, so that's why we, we like movies. That's why we like reading books because these are stories and it helps us express our story as well. And so these, these stories give us an opportunity to learn something about ourselves and show that we have an ability to tell our own story in whichever way we want. And so we can, we can notice that these stories uh, have certain aspects. You know, there's like this hero's journey through the movies and stories that we gravitate to. You know, like an underdog story or, you know, like the, the, there's, there's these uh, characters who are victims or perpetrators. Right. And then what, what I want to show by, you know, it's not just just this story that I've written, but there are stories that show that there doesn't have to be a victim or a perpetrator. There can just be triumph within yourself. 
an ability to express yourself in a way that you never have, break out of your shell, show some, show a part of yourself that you didn't even know you were capable of, that you just maybe had a glimpse of. And so these, these stories um, show us something about ourselves that we weren't conscious of before. And so we're just becoming gradually more and more conscious. What would be an example of, and we're talking families, for example, like what would be an example you would use to explain that? Like a, a movie or a book? Uh, in the sense of like a specific movie? Yeah. where Yes, where you might talk about, you know, triumph over like being the victim versus um, and uh, and being the perpetrator. But maybe we could think of it as more as as like you said, more of triumph versus a victim. I, I don't know why, but this happens to be one of my favorite movies. But I'll give you an example that's going through my head, and that is Wizard of Oz. Because that was a movie I watched growing up all the time. And if you think about it, you know, Dorothy, you could look at it as Dorothy being the victim, but in the end, she was triumphant and really learned in the end that there's no place like home, I mean, without being cliche. And so there's a way to look at that about instead of talking about what she had to go through, but what she actually triumphed throughout the movie, like what she conquered, you know, what occurred in a positive way that instead of like talking about really all the bad things, that was just an example I was thinking of. That's a great example. And it's, and it's not only just not talking about the, the things that you seem bad is looking at those as not, uh, as not the things that put you down, but the things that make you stronger. So these are the obstacles that show us who we, who we are. You know, if it wasn't for this darkness or this bad part, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't be able to be, become strong enough to break through ourselves, to break out of our shell. And so that's what I'm saying by, by changing the story is, not ignoring the bad parts or not saying the bad parts, but saying it in the way where you're no longer the victim of it, but the one who becomes stronger because of it. And so you can triumph over all of it because look, you're still standing, you're still here. Look at all you've been. And then to me, that's what God represents. It's the only one that knows what you've been through to get here. Mm -hmm. And so you can play the victim if you want to, However, it's not in your best interest for your character's development. You want to be the one who becomes stronger because of it. In the same way that you go to the gym to become stronger, what if, how are you going to become stronger without the resistance that it takes to, be, to do it? And so that the, the, the darkness or the bad parts, the, the, the obstacles in our way, on the way to get the things that we want, those are the things that give us the ability to become stronger. It's the stronger and break through ourselves. And, you know, I, I get on the podcast a lot with my daughter-in-law who happens to be a life coach. And the, the last podcast we, that she recorded with me, we talked about being stuck. And I think part of being stuck is, is fear, 
And so I like the way that you're saying, look, we're not going to just disregard the original story. We're not going to just disregard the things that happened that the character had to overcome. You're just saying what we want to emphasize on is look where they were and look how far they came and how they overcame that. And I think when it comes to just real life in general, that's about, that's like about not being afraid to, to move forward, to get unstuck, to do things that are out of your comfort zone, because you can look back in your own history, right? And see, okay, I can just sit here and think about the bad stuff or just the opposite. I can be kind of have almost, um, what is that toxic positivity where it's just all like rainbows and puppies, which, you know, that's not realistic either. And we don't want our kids, we want our kids to learn that like thing, bad things are going to happen. And I mean, I, I feel bad about that, you know, but even, you know, if they scrape their knee or, it could be even something a little bit more like, you know, bullying or a bad grade or something, but it's helping, it's helping each other and helping them triumph and realize, look, you, you can and have and will do things to make yourself stronger. And, and I love that because like I said, I think one end of the spectrum or the other is really not a good place to be. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, we all we all go through this where we get stuck in these loops, you know, where where something does happen to us where that we don't like, you know, maybe somebody is mean or rude. And then the day continues or the week continues and we keep repeating that, you know, and we start playing out different scenarios like, oh, if this were to happen again, I would say this and I would take it here. But meanwhile, you're stuck in last week. Mm -hmm. You're stuck in earlier today that that's been, you know, instead of you know, seeing things for what they are. It's something about yourself you don't like. That's what everything is. If, if it's something in this world that, that we don't like, it's something we don't like about ourselves. You know, when you look at a society, there's a lot of nastiness and, and a lot of things that we disagree with. You know, the, the, most, the, the most efficient way of, of being able to succeed in life is to see those things as yourself. Of course, you would act in the same way that these people are acting if you were in their scenario, in their shoes, if you had their parents and lived out their story. This is where the story goes. But no, instead, we'd like to, to, to not take responsibility, which is the opposite of what I'm, I'm teaching. I want to, to show that you can take responsibility even for the ridiculous things that don't seem any way associated to you. That's you, too. The worst things about this world represent a reflection of who we are on the inside. And you can see this it play out in real stories because we do have moments of gratitude and fulfillment where we and then in those moments, those are real moments. Are we to deny those? And then so it just becomes a balance as to which moments are you paying more attention to? And that's what money is is our attention, like the currency that we use to pay attention. That's why it's pay attention. It's the currency we use. What are you paying most attention to? Mm -hmm. So it's not about and not paying attention to it at all. It's about balancing it within yourself to where you're triumphant in your stories rather than being punished or re resentful or guilty. You know, these, these antiquated forms of 
of uh, the things that we used to pay the most amount of attention to. And so it's important to acknowledge if you're feeling resentful, but it's also important to acknowledge why you're feeling resentful and that that's not a good state to be. And for you to see things for what they are and then focus on the things that do matter the most, because if you really start to pay attention, you'll notice that there are more good things than there are bad things. Many more good things. Mm -hmm. You just have to look at the details. You just have to focus on the details of things and you can, there's plenty more, way more, significantly more. And so it's not about denying the dark part about yourself. It's just about paying slightly less attention to it and paying more attention to the light part about yourself. And when you talk about that, I, I try to teach a lot in my practice that, you know, there's that circumstance and the circumstance is neutral. It's, it's our thought process that takes us through. So what we think about that circumstance is then what takes us through what we call the, the, you know, the model or cognitive behavior therapists go through this with people, especially with anxiety, for example. So you have a, you have a circumstance and you have to make it neutral or realize that it's neutral and then, but what thought you put to it, positive, negative, whatever that thought is, that's what's then, that is what is then going to le- lead to, <laughs> I'll get this out, lead to your feelings, which then ultimately affect your actions. And then as a, as a pediatrician, I tend to get them once it's really hit their body, you know, whether it's their they're not doing well in school because they can't focus or they're getting headaches or they're not sleeping or they're not, you know, digesting well, whatever it is. And so it ultimately affects the body. So it's, but this is a hard concept, you know, even for adults, I think to really understand that whatever happened, that circumstance is just neutral. What it's the thought that you put towards it. And I, you know, when I was, again, kind of doing some of my homework, what I like about your approach is you're, you're, you're rewriting old stories. And that's almost what we all need to do in life, right? Is if you're, if you're stuck in this story, or if there's another story you really want, then it's, you know, it's up to us individually to change the story right? Even in our, in our own life, the books that you write, are they, what age group would you say they're geared towards? You know, I'd say it's, it's more of a story to be read to you. So early age, uh, and, you know, I think kids will pick their favorite stories and continue reading and reading them throughout their their childhood. There's no specific age, I don't think. Yes. So basically you're saying that you can start reading in in the early early ages and and then and eventually they'll be able to read it themselves. I and I was talking more conceptually and I, I guess too for parents, if it sometimes you know, my child would insist on reading this one book, for example, but it was lots of words. And I thought he's not going to sit here for the whole thing. And, you know, that's why I always say make it interactive. And and sometimes you can kind of 
um, tell the story with a twist. Even parents can do that um, without having the writer do that. What are some of, tell us more about some of the other stories that you've written about or rewritten about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've written my favorite ones, you know, Adam and Eve, God and Lucifer. Uh, You know, for instance, the Adam and Eve story, we're told, you know, that that, uh, Eve goes behind Adam's back and eats the forbidden fruit, you know? And, uh, and then when, when God confronts Adam about it, he, he denies it and he, he blames it on the woman, you know, the woman you gave me. Yeah. Not me, you know? And so these are very, these are the subtleties of the program, you know, because as kids, we don't do what our parents tell us to do. We do. And so the way these stories are played out and the subtleties of their choices where they deny responsibility or they do something behind their partner's back, those are the aspects of the story that I changed to where when Eve becomes curious about eating the, of the, from the forbidden fruit, she goes to Adam and tells him, you know, that forbidden fruit that God told us about, I'm thinking about eating from it. Mm-hmm. Want to eat some with me? You know, just like playful. And then Adam's like, I don't know, it seems kind of dangerous, doesn't it? Like we can we can potentially lose everything we know and love. And, you know, Eve reassures him. He says, well, not if we do it together. We can hold hands and never let go. You know, we'll never lose each other. And so they make a choice, you know, a conscious choice to take a leap of faith. You know, that leap of faith is something that we all have to do in life. We, that leap of faith represents going into the unknown. Because obviously staying in the known is comfortable and pleasurable, but there's no growth in pleasure. It's just a feeling. There's growth in going outside of ourselves and going into the unknown. And so together they go in and eat of, from this forbidden fruit. And then what they, what they come to on the other side is they just realize something about themselves that they didn't realize before. They, you know, Eve says, well, look around. There's nothing else like us. We're the only ones of our kind. We, we, can, we can make things and do things just like God does. And then, you know, that's how, in my imagination, they, they started. Well, what do you want the most? Well, I want more of us because there isn't enough. There's just the two of us. And, you know, that's the reproduction phase of our story. And what, what, we, need a, we need shelter. We need a bigger house because, you know, we have all these kids now and, and you know, we need to be safe. Safe. Now they're, now they're aware that there's danger when before they weren't. And that's all this, these stories represent to me that, you know, there's a, there's a different way of telling these stories that are meaningful, you know, you know, not to say that they're not meaningful, obviously they're meaningful already, but when I say them in this way, they're, they're meaningful in a different way. It means something different. It's the same story, the same characters, but they're just making different choices. And the story is just told in a different perspective. Do you, uh, on your website, the reviews of your of your stories are five stars. Do you ever get anybody who basically is, thinks that they're controversial or maybe questions? Not that I am, I'm just, I'm being neutral, I guess, but I'm just saying like, yeah. do you ever ever get parents or, you know, caregivers that just say, Hey, well, this is the story. 
you know, why are you changing it? I don't know. I mean, from your website, it looks like it's most people don't. And I think that's wonderful because you have the freedom to write that and they have the freedom to buy it and read it to their children. Right. But I was just curious if, if you ever, if that was something that you had to overcome. I mean, honestly, Sarah, for the most part, the majority of the feedback that I get is super positive. Um, and the worst feedback that I've gotten, it's not even negative feedback. It's just questioning me like, well, what gives you the right to change the story to which I would say, well, I've, I've told them, I was like, well, what removes my right? What is it that removes my right from telling the story? Is it you? Are you removing my right from expressing myself? And then that's when people start, you know, like, because you can kind of see where I'm going with this. It's not from a, it's not from a place of where I'm questioning where we come from or questioning religion or I'm not denying these stories at all. As a matter of fact, I'm giving them more credit because this is where they come from. Right. And, and once I clear this, even the people that so far, you know, so far, the people that uh, I've spoken to in real life um, understand exactly where I'm coming from and where I'm going with this. Uh, as far as written, written negative reviews, I haven't received any, any, I haven't received any negative, like death threats or anything like no, that. Oh, I you hope know, not. But, <laughs> you know, we're still, still early on. We're so early on on this journey. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I read, I read all the reviews, and uh, and they love it. And and I, you know, you, you said it too. Like you're not. I, I I really love how you said Jay that you're not trying to say this is better. You know, you you acknowledged early on when I was trying to kind of really reflect on 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 your mission and what what you're trying to convey in, in, um, in the books. And you said, you know, I, it's important to understand that this is what happened, but these are some things we can learn from, you know, the story and, and just twisting it just a little bit. And, and it's still really the same. I think in my mind, it's, you still, the outcome, maybe it's got a, um, a little bit different, way that uh, an approach, for example, but really the message is still there. The main message is, is still there. And I, I think um, for most people that might be where it's important, you know, because they want to know, all right, how did you twist this story that I've heard since I was a little girl or a little boy? And, and yet I love the way that you're explaining it because now when I read it to a child, I can also explain to them, you know, how there isn't a victim, but how some, this, this, these characters or these people in our history have, have been triumphant. And I love that philosophy that you have. I hope you're planning to write more. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories in the Bible, you know, there's a lot of good ones that I don't need to do anything to, you know, I, I feel like the David and Goliath story speaks for itself. Like that's, that's a great story as it is. You know, but there are many more that I would I would change the outcome to for sure. So, how can people get a hold of you, Jay? Or how can they, um, 
you know, maybe order a book or take a look themselves in order to see, yeah, I'd like to explore this and really get to know you better and, um, and understand what you're talking about when it comes to being a conscious parent. Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, reach out to me personally on Instagram conscious at conscious Bible stories, uh, consciousbiblestories.com. You can buy the books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, just type in conscious Bible stories and we'll come up. And I'd like to, if it's okay with you, I got to quickly find it. Cause I'm, I, I really love, uh, there's a picture of you on the website. So again, it's consciousbiblestories.com. And uh, it's J.I. Children's Books for Conscious Parents. And you have a quote on here that I just love. And it says, your wings already exist. All you have to do is fly. And I really love that. And I love that you shared that because really, I just, this is what my podcast is really about, is empowering families and children to just remember that we're human and we're not always going to make do everything right. You know, that perfection is really not even, it doesn't even really exist and learning from our past, like you said, so that we can make it a better future. Absolutely, Sarah. That's, that's beautifully said. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah, and I hope we get a chance to talk again in the future. Absolutely, Sarah. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. And don't forget to follow wherever you like to listen to your shows, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and let's grow up together.